In this video, I'll give you top 10 ideas from New York Times bestseller, Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss. The subtitle of this book is Short Life Advice from the Best in the World, and it definitely delivers on this promise. What Tim Ferriss did for this book was he actually sent out a list of questions to over 140 of the greatest people from all walks of life. Billionaire hedge fund founders, billionaire tech entrepreneurs, uh, founders of some of the biggest companies, uh, actors, actresses, celebrities, musicians, Grammy Award winners, Emmy Award winners, uh, Olympic gold medalists, athletes, stars of all kinds, people who are playing at the very top of the game in life in some ways. And he got answers to all these questions from these 140 people. And that's what is this book. Now, this is a big beast of a book, over 590 pages long. There's a lot of advice from some of the greatest people in the world. And I have compressed the ideas in this video. So make sure to bring your pen and paper and take notes because there's a lot of great, great, great insights in this video. So the first idea, probably the biggest idea in the book by far, by leaps and bounds is this. Well, before I tell you the idea, let me first tell you why it is so profound, why it is such a big idea, because it has been repeated more than any other answer. And there are three questions that he asked that constantly got the same answer, this same answer, which is, these are the three questions he asked. What's one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? What new belief, habit, or behavior has most improved your life? What do you do when you're overwhelmed or unfocused? When he asked these three questions, the answer was constantly this big idea. Well, I will let Tim Ferriss actually tell you this idea. So take a look. At least 80% of the people I've interviewed across all domains have a daily meditation practice of some type. Uh, certainly, if you want to cut down on monkey mind, the first step is just to become aware of it and kind of observe it like a really shitty comedy in your head. It's like, what is my brain doing? This doesn't make any sense. Uh, and 20 minutes in the morning is a great way to do that. Now, if you're one of those who's very skeptical about meditation, you don't believe it is useful. You, you think it is just some new age spiritual mumbo jumbo bullshit. Well, don't worry. You're in good company because Tim Ferriss was just like you. He did not believe in meditation for a long time. Only in the last few years, he has started to meditate. And watch this video because Tim Ferriss will explain exactly why he believes meditation is very powerful. My name is Tim Ferriss, angel investor and author of books, including The 4-Hour Workweek and the latest Tribe of Mentors. So meditation has a branding problem. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people would think of uh, yoga instructors playing didgeridoos or <laughs> swinging dream catchers over their heads, and they wouldn't be entirely wrong in a lot of cases. So I steered away from it for a very, very long time. It just seemed like something good for perhaps other people, but not for me, not for a really driven type A competitive personality. So meditation or mindfulness practice, so it's really about, to me, decreasing emotional reactivity so you can proactively create your day and create your life versus just being a, a walking reflex that sometimes screws up. <laughs> in other words, you're sitting on your couch watching the sensations in your body in such a way that you're observing your body and your mind's reaction. So perhaps over time, rather than flying off the handle and getting angry at someone for A, B, and C infraction, there's that little moment between what they do and your response and you're able to, oh, Okay, I see myself getting tight in the chest. I'm about to get angry. Let me pause. 
and then give a more rational reaction where you actually get the result you want instead of the conflict that might be very gratifying for a second then creates a whole host of other issues for yourself. And here's Tim Ferriss answering the exact same question that he asked 140 other great people in his book. I want to hear your response to one of the questions that you sent all of us. Let's do it. So in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? So for everybody watching, when you get this book, this is one of the questions that many of us quote unquote mentors have answered. Yeah. I would say for me, it is a consistent morning practice before taking my phone off of airplane mode Mm -hmm. of sitting and doing a meditative practice for say 20 minutes. The way I'd encourage people to think about meditation because it can sound very woo woo. And I certainly was repelled by it for a long time is you are sitting down, say on a couch to practice observing your thoughts and feelings and emotions for a very short period of time. So that for the rest of the day, you are less emotionally reactive. What this means is you are rehearsing, you are training. It's like going to the gym. So let's say you're training for a sport. All right. So you're an athlete in X. You go to the gym to do squats, to do this, this, and this, so that when you get on the playing field, you can perform better. It is exactly the same. You're rehearsing and training for your day. And then when you run into something that normally would trigger you, whether that's a certain type of email, whether that's an employee who has a habit that drives you insane, or you being behind in your schedule and then the line at Starbucks is longer than you would like, whatever it happens to be, the things that would normally cause you to get really tightly wound or explode or berate yourself or other people, you will then start to spot before you have the reaction. And then you say, okay, half a second of breathing. Let me choose my response instead of being a, Hot, held hostage to these loops and triggers that we all have. Yeah. Uh, so that has been enormously, enormously helpful for me. And here's Tim Ferriss explaining why you should meditate, even if you're very goal-driven, very ambitious, very type A, and you don't believe in this woo-woo thing, this spiritual thing, this hippie thing. Watch this. Hey, folks. We're going to talk about meditation for a second. I get a lot of questions about how to start meditating, keeping in mind that I had a a very severe allergy to the word and concept of meditation for a very long time, more than a decade. And I've only really consistently started meditating and uh, implemented meditating for the last two to three years. There are a few easy ways to get started, but before I talk about that, what is meditation? There are a few ways you can look at it. I think the simplest way to look at it as a type A personality is either as a warm bath for your mind so that you relax in such a way, maybe it's only 10% to reduce your anxiety so you can be more effective and productive. Less reactive, in other words. You don't get carried away by knee-jerk emotions and judgments, obsessing on the past, something that happened, or something in the future, planning, etc. You're able to actually single task and focus. That is one of the outcomes, one of the benefits of different types of meditating. All right, and that can take the form of something very short or something a little more involved. I'll talk about both. The other, and this is why I think meditation can be viewed in a way as 
stoic training, or uh, in some ways similar to CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, because the objective is to help you to observe your state and your thoughts so that you are less controlled by them. What does this mean? I'll use an analogy that uh, I think was originally shared with me by Andy Puddicombe, uh, who is the founder of something called Headspace, which I'll talk about in a second, which is the difference, in effect, being, say, standing out in the storm, getting pelted with rain and hail and wind and stinging your eyes and so on, being soaking wet, or standing inside, looking through the glass at the storm. The latter is meditation. Uh, the way I've put it before, which is slightly different, it's the difference between being in the washing machine or standing outside looking into the washing machine. And when you have that somewhat detached observer perspective, you can just be much calmer, much more appreciative, and ultimately effective. I do not think that meditation uh, causes you to lose your edge. This was a concern of mine, and I think it's a concern of a lot of type A driven people. But even if it did cause you to lose, say, 10%, who cares? <laughs> ultimately, you're trying to succeed and make more money, do all these things, build a bigger business, to improve the quality of life uh, for yourself or others, and you achieve that, I think, more directly uh, in many cases by, even if you had to take, say, a 10% haircut on your edge by improving your present state awareness by uh, much, much more, 50 to 100%. By the way, Tim Ferriss is not just evangelizing meditation for the sake of it. He has actually made meditation his number one priority in life. Take a look at this video and you'll see how he has done that. first 60 minutes or so are very clearly defined. And that's the recipe I use to set up the rest of the day. My name is Tim Ferriss, angel investor and author of books, including The 4-Hour Workweek and the latest Tribe of Mentors. Step number one, I wake up and I meditate for 20 minutes, typically 22 minutes. It's 20 minutes of seated transcendental meditation. It could be Vipassana. So Tim didn't just mention any random meditation. He actually mentioned a very specific kind of mindfulness meditation called Vipassana. That's the one he does and that's the one I teach. And I have created a very simple 15-minute free guided meditation audio for you. So you can download it. You can download it right here. Click on the i button to download it or go to 2000books.com slash meditate and the link should also be in the description below. So just download the audio, press play and you'll be meditating in 30 seconds flat. Literally, there's no excuse for you to not start meditating today. So go grab the audio and start doing the meditation that Tim Ferriss highly recommends. All right, go ahead, pause the video and download this meditation audio. It will change your life. Now here's the thing, it's not just Tim Ferriss and these 140 gurus, 140 great people talking about meditation. It's actually scientifically proven. I did a whole video on, and you'll find the link here in the i button, whole video on scientifically proven benefits of meditation. There are over 1,000 scientific research studies now done on mindfulness meditation, and I just took a few of them to explain to you how powerful meditation is. So if you're still not sold on the power of meditation, go watch that video or find the link in the description below. Uh, it is an amazing video that will show you how powerful meditation truly is. The next big idea is hard choices, easy life, easy choices, hard life. Yeah, 
what happens is when in life we make the difficult choices we take the hard road life becomes easier in the long term but if we instead decide to take the easy road the easy choices we make the easy choices time and again life over time will become hard and take example of any area of life and you'll see this to be consistently true very simple is bodybuilding the act of trying to build a great body right if you do the hard things if you go run long distance if you go lift heavy weights if you go work out like an endurance athlete whatever you do if you do hard things you will have an easier life in terms of a healthier life a healthier body in the long term but if you instead decide to take the easier route if you say i don't want to work out i want to sit on couch all day long i want to eat all the junk food i don't want to make the hard choice of eating all the healthy food what happens in the long term your life becomes difficult and your life becomes hard same thing with business if you make the easy choices if you try to take the shortcuts if you try to do the easy things it will be hard in the long term but if you decide to do the big things if you decide to do the difficult things business over time gets better it becomes bigger it becomes easier right same thing with money management if you make the difficult choices today if you decide to save money rather than spend all that money what happens in the long term your life is easier when it comes to money but if you decide to make the easy choices if you decide to spend all the money away and not make the difficult decisions every once in a while what happens your life becomes hard your money life becomes hard so remember hard choices easy life easy choices hard life and here's the key this guy who is a four-time world uh, weightlifting champion he's the guy who talked about this idea in the book and he said if you are ever at the crossroads of making a difficult decision always ask yourself what is the hard choice and then take that decision make that decision and that will always lead you to the right, right path that will always lead you down the right path what a great concept what a great idea the next big idea is that there are two kinds of failure and we have to be able to distinguish the two the failure of outcome versus the failure of process and strategy now let me explain what that means a lot of the times when we look at failures in life we think all we look at is the final result and then we ask ourselves is that a yes or no did i fail or did i succeed but a lot of the times the failure was a result of the strategy that we employed the process that we employed so we have to be very careful and be able to distinguish the failure when we uh, when we are just thinking of it as an outcome compared to failure when we have failed in our strategy in our processes so let me give an example in the game of poker it is entirely possible that you play it perfectly you play the perfect process you play the perfect strategy and you still lose the hand on the other hand it is entirely possible that you 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 play it really bad but somehow you still win because the cards flop that way right but the key to understand is in the long term you are much more likely to win if you continue to follow the right strategy so in the long term having the right strategy is much more important than just winning in the short term so in the short term the outcome might have been a positive or negative right you might have lost or you might have won because you had a bad strategy but you should not be repeating that strategy in because in the long term you will fail so be very careful about distinguishing the two kinds of failures the failure of outcome and the failure of process so in case of failure you have to analyze you have to ask yourself is this a strategy that will continue to give me long term good results even though you might have failed in this moment no strategy is perfect there's never there's no way you can always have perfect results right but 
is this a strategy that will maximize my chances of long-term success? If it is, then you should keep with that strategy. But if it is a strategy that will not maximize your chances of long-term success, well, then you need to abandon that strategy and pick a new strategy. So always be very careful. Is it a failure of outcome or failure of strategy? And the next big idea is micro speed, macro patience. And this comes from Gary Vaynerchuk. He says, don't worry about the next eight years or 10 years. Worry about the next eight hours and 10 hours, right? Worry about working really hard, squeezing the juice out of the next eight or 10 hours. Stop wasting your time on Instagram or Facebook or social media or TV or whatever it is. Instead, work hard and quit worrying about the long term. Because if you do things, if you hustle hard right now, the long term will take care of itself, right? If you work hard in the micro scheme of things, in the micro micro span of time, if you say it so, then in the macro span of time, everything will work out. Everything will just fine but you have to trust the process and you have to do micro speed and macro patience you have to have patience that everything will work out in eight to ten years if i do the hustle right now if i work hard right now if i work fast right now if i work with urgency right now now tony robbins has a very interesting saying he says people underestimate what they can accomplish in a decade but they overestimate what they can accomplish in a week or a month and here's the thing when you overestimate what you can accomplish in a week or a month what you do you take it easy. You don't have micro speed. You have micro patience, and that is dangerous. That's what Gary Vaynerchuk is warning us against. Don't have micro patience, have micro speed. On the other hand, what Tony Robbins said was that people underestimate what they can accomplish in a decade. So if they're underestimating, then they don't trust that it'll all work out, and hence they're impatient. So on a macro level, people are impatient. On a micro level, people are not fast enough. And that's exactly the problem. And that's what Gary Vaynerchuk is also saying. What we need to do is instead have micro speed, as in work really fast, hustle hard, but in the long term, have a lot of patience that it will all work out. And another great book that talks about this idea is Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Here's the thing about compound effect. All of our lives are played out in compound effect. As in, initially the results are really hard to see, but if we keep at it, if we keep at it, if we keep at it anything, over time the results are huge. Most people don't have the patience for the long term, and hence they don't work hard in the short term. They don't believe it in the short term. They don't believe it enough, because, especially because the results are not there yet, right? So they don't hustle hard, they don't work hard, and hence they never get the long term results because they don't have the patience to see it through. So you have to have the macro patience, but you've got to have the hustle right now. You've got to work hard and with a sense of urgency, work fast with a sense of urgency right now. The next big idea is to read more books. Now notice what happened in this book. Of all the questions that Tim Ferriss could have asked his guests, what is the first question he asked them? Here's what he asked. What is the book or books you've gifted the most as a gift and why? Or what are the books that have greatly influenced you? So Tim Ferriss recognizes the importance of books in people's lives and in his life. So that's the most important of all the questions he could have asked. The first question was about books. So realize the importance of books. And every one of those guests answered with a whole lot of books. And you're probably wondering what were the most popular books amongst them. So I'll tell you that as well. Here are the four books that were in that list on the most popular books. First was Poor Charlie's Almanac by Charlie Munger. The second was Influence by Robert Cialdini. The third was Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. And the fourth was Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, one of the greatest books ever written, by the way. And if you want a big picture summary of the book, go ahead and grab my mind map of this book, which is a summary of the book. You can go to 2000books.com slash self, or just click right here on the upper right corner on the i button, and you'll be able to grab the my 
mind map of the book as well. The link should also be in the description below. Here's the thing. In today's day and age, there is no excuse for you to not absorb information. If you don't have time to read, well, you should be watching our summaries, right? Make sure to subscribe to our channel to read and absorb a lot more books, to learn a lot faster. And, and as you probably know, most of the successful people in this world today are voracious readers. And that includes Warren Buffett, who's one of the richest men in the world, and he still reads up to five hours a day or even more, and he's in his 80s. So you literally have no excuse to not read enough. And if you don't have the time, come check out the summaries. We have so many of those summaries on our channel here. The next big idea is to ask better questions. This whole book came as a result of Tim Ferriss asking a very specific question initially to himself, which was, what would it look like if it was supposed to be easier? Because he was going through some tough times and he wanted to understand what would it look like if it was easier, right? And then he formulated a list of very specific questions and he asked the same questions to everyone. So it's the power of those questions that resulted in this book, this knowledge that we're all sharing today, right? So questions are very powerful. And Tim Ferriss says the difference between 1x 10x, 100x, 1000x is always a result of a very specific question. It's always a result of questions. So be very careful about the questions you're asking yourself or the questions you're asking in general because that's what your life will become. And Tony Robbins says, your quality of your life is directly proportional to the quality of problem questions you're asking yourself. You will become your questions, right? Your questions will determine the quality of your life. So it's really important to ask the right questions because the questions will become you. That's what Tony Robbins is saying. And then Einstein, he said one time when he was asked about solving problems, he said, if I were given one hour to solve a problem, I would spend 55 minutes formulating the right question and then five minutes answering that question. So realize the importance of question. Realize the importance of asking the right question. It's so crucial. Now let's take some examples, right? Take very simple examples, let's say in the field of money or business. And here's a question you can ask yourself, how can I make ends meet this month or this year? Or the other question, more empowering question you can ask yourself is, how can I make a million, 10 million, 100 million dollars this year, right? Different questions will give you different answers. When you ask yourself how can I make a million dollars a year this year it will the answers you get from within yourself will be very different from when you ask yourself how can I make my ends meet or how can I barely survive right same with happiness let's say you were to ask yourself why am I so happy today or you can ask yourself why am I so sad today these questions will literally give you different answers and it will literally change the way you are thinking every single moment. So be very careful of the questions you're asking yourself because they are changing your life every single moment. The next big idea is courage over confidence. Think about it. What is more powerful, courage or confidence? What you'll often find is when we are not taking action on certain things. It's not because we're lacking confidence, it's because we're lacking courage. Most of the times in life, we're not doing the things we need to do because we're lacking courage, not because we're lacking confidence. Here's the thing, confidence comes as a result of repetition. Confidence comes as a result of having, of developing that skill, of doing that thing again and again and again. But courage is not something that you need to wait for. Courage is not something that will come one day. Courage is always available to you, right? Courage does not care about what I think about myself, what the outcome is going to be, what this opportunity is like. Courage is within me. Courage says, go do it. Nothing else matters. 
and that is the power of courage courage was, courage is way more powerful than confidence ever will be in any given situation there's a very interesting saying by ralph waldo emerson he says god will not have his work manifest through cowards right only the courageous can do great work now i don't care if you believe in god or not doesn't matter the key here is to realize great work is only a result of courage only a result of courage not confidence courage and here's the amazing thing about courage it is always available to you no matter how much confidence you have in any given situation courage is always available to you and that is powerful confidence you might have to wait for you might have to figure out a way to get confident but courage is available to you right this moment right now and that is really important courage is one of my fundamental values i live by this value i think it is one of my top most values just because it is so powerful it is uh, in some ways the fundamental of stoicism and the sparta philosophy courage is required to live a great life so if you are struggling with something in life you might find that courage is the missing factor right there in that situation let me explain it another way a lot of the times people think that they want to be fearless in life but that's not the key the key is to face the fear and do courage right face the fear and do what you need to do anyways i mean one of my favorite books on this topic is feel the fear do it anyways by susan jeffers she talks about the whole idea that no matter what the situation do you believe you can handle it that is the ultimate courage right it doesn't matter how much fear there is can you handle the ultimate outcome of the situation that's all there is to it so don't complicate the situation by trying to become fearless it's never going to happen instead do courage yeah do courage it's almost something you can do you can actually call upon it and take action right this moment so courage over confidence every single moment my friend courage over confidence every time you're struggling with the idea of i don't feel confident in this situation i don't feel confident about this thing ask yourself can i do courage and if you can go do it the next big idea is to follow your bliss one of the questions that tim asked in this book was what advice would you give a young college graduate a young driven college graduate someone who's ambitious and more often than not the answer was to follow your bliss in some way shape or form people were saying you should follow what you truly enjoy doing and not only that it's going to be hard it is going to be challenging it's going to take a lot of courage it's going to be difficult people are going to say why don't you take the job why don't you do that why don't you do that instead of taking this hard journey but you must follow your bliss because that's where you'll find ultimate fulfillment and here's the thing this idea has been so true in my life i remember back in the days uh, when i graduated from college back in 2000 i had a degree in physics and i got admitted to a graduate program in electrical and computer engineering i got a fellowship at rice university in houston texas and when i came to rice i realized they wanted me to do what was very close to physics as in they wanted me to do electrical engineering and computer engineering parts of it called quantum electronics and nanoparticles and stuff like that that were very close to physics but i had no interest in doing that i literally had no interest in doing anything related to physics anymore i wanted to i wanted to study electrical and computer engineering so what i did was i did not take any courses on nanoparticles on quantum physics on quantum electronics or any of that stuff i took courses on the stuff that i wanted to learn i wanted to learn 
electrical engineering and computer engineering. I wanted to learn wireless communication systems. I wanted to learn hardware design. So I took courses on signal processing, wireless communication systems, VLSI design, all that stuff. And they were all graduate level courses. But I had no freaking undergraduate background, right? My undergraduate background was in physics. So I did not really understand much of the initial classes in electrical engineering and computer engineering, like wireless communication systems and signal processing and <laughs> VLSI design, all of those were like so difficult. But I said, I will do this no matter what. My heart is totally sold on electrical and computer engineering right now. I don't care about physics. I'm not interested in physics. I don't care how hard it is going to be. I will just make it happen. And my friends would make fun of me. They're, they would say, how will you survive this? And if you don't get a good grade, you will lose your scholarship. Why are you doing this to yourself? But I didn't care. I was sold. I had to make that happen. I was so excited about wireless communication systems back in the days. I was so excited about VLSI design. I said, no matter what, I'm not going back to physics. Even if it means I have to struggle. Even if it, so here was the, here's a catch. Here's, here, here was a big catch. If I did not make, I think around 3.5, a 3.5 out of 4, right? Almost like a 9 out of 10. If I did not make that great point in the first semester, I could lose my scholarship, right? I could lose my fellowship that I had from Rice, Rice University. So I had to get really good grades in the first semester. And I had to take just as many courses as everyone else. And I was taking electrical and computer engineering courses, not physics courses. But I powered through that. That was probably one of the hardest things I did to myself, like two and a, two, two and a half years of total misery. It was so hard, me working towards a graduate degree in electrical and computer engineering. But I can tell you, it was one of the most satisfying things I did in my life. I, I loved every moment of it. It was so painful, but I loved it because I was following my heart. I did not care about the possibilities of failure. I did not care about what would happen if I totally uh, failed at this. I just worked hard. I worked my ass off. I worked 20 hour days. I worked 21 hour days. I worked three days nonstop. It didn't matter because I was going to figure this out. I was going to get my graduate degree in hardcore electrical and computer engineering, not in physics related stuff. So, you know, we all have to do that. We have to follow where our heart is going. We cannot listen to the society. We cannot listen to the logic. The logic will always say, take the easy route. But the heart, the courage is saying, no, go do what you want to do. And you have to do that. You have to do that because that will allow you to live your true dreams. And here's the sister advice to this, which is don't do things for money. Because if you do things for money, you will never be, you're probably not good at those things. You have no passion for this. You will never excel at those things. You're just doing it for the sake of money. So you'll never make it big on those things. You'll never make it big on those things. So realize you must focus on what you truly want to do. Follow your bliss, follow your passion, follow your heart and it will lead you down the right path. The next big idea is that we are all flawed. What most successful people have done is really maximize one or two of their big strengths. They've just maximized that. Somehow we have this notion that whoever looks successful from outside, their lives must be all well put together and they must have it all together. They must be perfect. But the truth is, we are all flawed. We all have our challenges. We all have our problems. And Tim Ferriss is a great example of that. He talks about his own personal struggles with depression. He, he's had over 50 bouts of bipolar depression, 50 issues of bipolar depression. So he, is, he has struggled with that quite a lot. And we're all struggling. We all have our own demons in our lives. So don't give too much credence to the fact that someone has out, outer success. Also realize that they are struggling just like you and I are struggling 
right now. And the lesson to take away from here is that don't try to become well-rounded. Don't try to perfect all your imperfections. Instead, focus on a couple of your strengths and just go all in. Just try to maximize your strengths. Maximize. Don't try to become well-rounded. So there are two other great books that talk about this idea that we are all imperfect. We are all flawed. One of them is Radical Acceptance by Tara Brack and the other one is The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Both great books and I have done summaries of both of these on our channel just recently. So you should be able to find the book summaries, the video summaries in the description below. I'll put a link to those videos and also you can click on the I button in the top right corner to get summaries of these books and watch those summaries as well. Now here's the key understanding that we need to take away from these books that imperfection does not mean unworthiness. If we are imperfect does not mean that we are unworthy. That's a very important distinction we need to make in our minds. Imperfection does not mean that we are unworthy. We are worthy just like everyone else even though we are imperfect just like everyone else. And the other key is that in order to be able to live fully we have to embrace who we truly are rather than fight it rather than constantly try to patch it up. Embrace who you are. Embrace your imperfections and go on with your life. The next big idea is Sisu. Now you're probably wondering what is this? What does Sisu mean? Well, Sisu is a Finnish word, and here's the definition of Sisu. Here's what it says. The mental strength to continue to try even after you feel you've reached the limits of your abilities. Even after you've reached the limits of your abilities, you're thinking, this is it. This is all I got. But you still have to have the mental strength to continue to go and push forward, to continue to try, to continue to keep pushing no matter how hard this might be. You might feel like this is it, I'm out of every idea, but you can, you have to continue to push. And here's a very interesting saying by a Navy SEAL, Richard Makovich, and it's in the book. He says, not dead, can't quit. Not dead, can't quit. That's the key. If you're not dead yet, you cannot quit on this endeavor. You got to keep going. You have to have the resilience. You have to have the mental toughness. You have to have the mental strength to be able to persevere, to go get what you want, right? Now, here's the thing. This mental toughness, this sisu, this mental strength is a requirement for success. You cannot accomplish great things in life without this mental strength, without this sisu, without this mental toughness. It's not possible. Persistence, you want to call it persistence, you want to call it resilience, you want to call it mental toughness, you want to call it your ability to handle obstacles, whatever it is, you have to have that sisu so that even when you feel like you're completely out of all the possible options, you still got to keep on trying. And by the way, if you are wondering, well, it all sounds good, sisu sounds good, mental toughness sounds good, persistence sounds good, but I have no idea how to develop it, well, I've got the perfect course for you. Check out our mental toughness course where I have summarized 60 of the great books ever written on building mental toughness, building persistence. You can go to 2000books.com slash tough or click on the i button here in the top right corner or you will also find the link in the description below. You'll find some of the greatest books on mental toughness in that program and there's over 10 plus hours of video content in that program so highly recommend you check it out.